saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the Gospel of Christ. Thank you so, so much, Catherine. I'll, I'll let you come on past. Uh, don't mind me here with my little stick. Um, if you are um, slightly shorter than the grown-ups uh, and you can't see the front, uh, then do feel free. There's some lovely stone slabs here that you can come and sit on. And if you want to, you can bring a grown-up with you and they will thank you later in the form of chocolate. I have no doubt whatsoever. Uh, and as we do that, I'm just going to pray. Do keep coming out as I'm praying. I'm just going to talk to God and ask for his help for me and for us as we look at that bit of the Bible. Father God, thank you so much for this bit of the Bible. Thank you that this bit of the Bible is something that has shaped the last 2,000 years. Thank you for the lives that it has changed, and I pray that it might change our lives today. And so, Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you work in me and in us that his word, the Spirit's word, would change our lives. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, it's Easter Sunday, and you can picture the scene there on Easter Sunday. 
Only as you imagine that in your minds, look, it's dark. That's what we were told, wasn't it, in that first verse? Early on the first day of the week, it was still dark. And Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, to the place where they put dead people. You see, it was Easter Sunday, but Mary Magdalene was living the Easter Saturday life. The Easter Saturday life. You see, Mary was somebody who'd made some decisions in the past that she wasn't very proud of. Mary, some grown-ups might say, had a bit of a checkered past. She'd done things that she struggled to forgive. And do you know what? Other people struggled to forgive as well. And so her life, well, her life had changed. Uh, A few years ago, her life had changed. She had met somebody, a man who promised her that he could forgive her. Somebody who promised her that he could erase her past. Somebody who treated her, well, like a child of God. Somebody who offered her friendship and love. Only two days ago, she had watched as he had been nailed to a cross. And he had died. And with him went her hopes, her dreams. It's Easter Sunday, but Mary Magdalene is approaching the tomb in the dark. And yet these events, these events are going to change that face to an Easter Sunday face. And that's important because... It's Easter Sunday, but I wonder how many of us are living as if it's a bit like Easter Saturday. As if hope is a little bit further from us than we would long for. Maybe we've read the news of what happened in Green Hill, and a part of us just weeps. Maybe we thought that the events in the Ukraine would be over now. Maybe... We live lives that sometimes feel hopeless. Maybe people at school aren't very nice to us. Or or maybe, maybe we let ourselves down. So, the big question for today then is, did Easter Sunday really happen? And if it did, what difference does it make to us? Can it change our Easter Saturday into an Easter Sunday. And to help us with that, we've got some evidence that is here uh, in the Bible. There's actually loads of different evidence. There's so much in this passage, but I'm just going to pull out just a few uh, quick things. And the first thing is the linen. Did anyone notice as the Bible was being read, it went on and on and on about linen. Uh, Look there, little number three. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. By the way, the other disciple is how John, the writer of this, describes himself, which is both wonderfully humble, oh, I'm not going to use my name, and also wonderfully boastful. The other disciple got there first. <laughs> you can imagine him writing that, and Peter reading it, and being like, oh, man, yeah, okay, you're a faster writer. Anyway, sorry. Uh, he got there first, uh, and did you see? He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. Then Simon Peter went behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the... Why is it going on and on about linen? 
We're about to see all sorts of amazing... Why is he talking about... Unless maybe that linen has something to tell us. That linen would have been wrapped around Jesus' body. And actually, it's our first piece of evidence. If you've got a service sheet on the back of the service sheet, uh, just the other side of the Bible passage, uh, there is uh, two pieces of evidence we're going to look at. And we're going to look at that first one, which is this. Who took a body and left the linen? Who would take a body and leave the linen? Uh, And my first suspect for today are the disciples. So, uh, disciple, if I can call you uh, to come on up, I'm going to switch on this here microphone. And we're going to find out. I'm just going to check that's working. Brilliant. There you go. Hello, disciple. Good morning. I can see you're definitely a disciple because you're wearing flip-flops and a dressing gown. Standard disciple outfit. Uh, Now, here's the thing. You're a disciple. You believe that Jesus was risen from the dead and you want us to believe it too so absolutely I put it to you you snuck into the grave and you stole the body to convince us that Jesus really rose from the dead when it's not true I I can't believe you're asking me that question Ben that that offends me this I'm I'm a disciple I believe that Jesus he was the son of God he was God himself I would never take all the linen off and, and carry his naked body away. That would be just shameful, humiliating. I, could, I couldn't do that. Ah, I see. So you're saying that if you really loved Jesus and you, you think he's God, you wouldn't undress him and carry him, well, naked and dead through the streets? No, never. I, I could never do that to him. That, that, that does make some sense, doesn't it? And actually, I know that you guys... A lot of you guys went on to die because you believed that Jesus was risen from the dead. What do we think? Did the disciples steal the body, undress it, carry it naked through the streets and then proclaim that he's God? Yes or no? Probably not. You can circle that one on your sheets. I'll take this back. Thank you very much, disciple. Okay, so, not the disciples. What about grave robbers? Somebody coming in to take some of the expensive... Uh, expensive spices and things. Let's interview a grave robber. I need somebody who looks dodgy. Hmm. Ah, Tom Furnihuff. Hello. Uh, I didn't think you were supposed to use my name. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, I agreed. I, I, I'd just call you a dodgy person. A dodgy person. Um, what, what, what do you tend to do in your pastimes? Uh, you know, I just like to sort of lighten people's load, uh, particularly when they've passed on. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't mess with the bodies. I just take the clothes, the, any jewellery that they might have, any spices that might be lying around. That's where the real value is, you know, in, in graves. Aha! I see. So, you might have gone into a grave then, and you might have gone ferreting around for some, some expensive things. You seem to know an awful lot about my trade. What? Ah, <laughs> touche. Um, did you steal Jesus' body? Um, there's, there's, there's not really much market in uh, dead bodies, I'm afraid. That's, uh, people aren't that keen on buying them. Fabrics, gold, spices, yeah, dead bodies, no. Also, they're heavy and bulky and hard work. You know, I need to be in and out quickly. 
grab stuff and run. Okay, so you're saying that a, a thief, any thief worth his stolen gold, uh, would nip in as quick as possible yeah. and steal and just get out as quick you're as possible. You're getting the hang of it, absolutely. That's, that's, that's the mm. business model that we use. <laughs> but, <laughs> but on this day, we think that somebody must have gone in, unwrapped the body, and stolen the body, and left the linen there. That, that, that no, doesn't sound very much That doesn't like sound you, like me or any of my mates. Definitely not. <laughs> no. You know what? I think I, I believe you. Thank you so much. You can take a seat. What do we think? Gra- grave robbers, yes? Or, or no? No, almost certainly not. I know. Maybe, then, it was the Romans. Uh, the Romans didn't like Jesus. They, they crucified him. Maybe they did it. Um, let, me, let me see. Ah, here's a Roman. Fantastic. Let me give you that. I see. Thank you. Say, so you, you look the part. It's shrunk in the wash. <laughs> here, is, here is our Roman. Um, I put it to you that you stole Jesus' body out of the tomb. Well, that could possibly be the most ridiculous and dumbest question I've ever heard, Ben. <laughs> this man, this man, he claimed to be the son of God. And he would rise again after three days after we killed him. We're not going to take his body away, so it looks like he did. That's unbelievably stupid. I see your point. <laughs> and, and you guys were guarding the tomb as well. That, that would have been embarrassing. Incredibly embarrassing. Hmm. We, couldn't just let some, we couldn't let that happen. We wouldn't do that. Okay, okay. I guess... I guess it probably isn't you then either, is it? It would have been very embarrassing for him. In fact, we know a few years later, it was really embarrassing for the Romans. And if they wanted to kill off Christianity as they did, they could have just bought out the body, couldn't they? Absolutely, if we had it. And they didn't. Okay, thank you very much. What do we think? Do we think, yes, it was the Romans? Or no? No. That's interesting, isn't it? Okay. Uh, So our first piece of evidence then is this linen. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, who would have stolen his body and left the linen there? Uh, Our second piece of evidence is with people who saw him. Uh, Did you see that? Uh, It talked about that. It said, uh, verse 11, little number 11, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. We'll come back to them in a few minutes' time. She speaks to somebody. Somebody who at first she thinks is the gardener. She's been crying. Maybe her eyes are are, are blurry. Maybe Jesus looked a little bit different as he rose from the dead. But did you see there, verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Mary saw someone in the garden. Mary said she saw Jesus. In fact, in a letter that's written just uh, 50 years or so after this, uh, Paul, another person, says that nearly 500 people saw Jesus. But the first person to see Jesus was Mary, Mary Magdalene. Now, here's a question for you. If you were making something up uh, and you wanted people to believe you, who would you have 
as the first person to see somebody rise from the dead. Would you choose a religious leader? Would you choose one of the future um, uh, apostles? Or would you choose somebody who had, well, a bit of a checkered past? Somebody who had made mistakes in the past? You'd choose somebody who would people would think was upstanding and morally upright, wouldn't you? And yet, the very first person to see Jesus when he is risen from the dead is somebody who used to be grown-ups a prostitute. Here is somebody who's made bad life decisions. Why on earth would you choose that person unless she was really the first person who saw Jesus come from the dead? Now, actually, Jesus is doing far more here uh, than just showing a good reason why we can believe it. Uh, He's actually usurping the whole way in which the ancient world worked. He was saying, look, the testimony of Mary Magdalene is vitally important. Here is a woman who has been forgiven, who has been restored, uh, and is a vital part of my kingdom. In those days, sadly, people often didn't treat women as people who could be relied upon. That was a mistake. It was wrong. But Jesus, Jesus shows, hey, this person is vitally important for me. If it was made up, it wouldn't be Mary Magdalene. It might be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, It might be another Mary, but it wouldn't be Mary Magdalene. See, if it were made up, that wouldn't make sense. But If it were true, then there would be things that would be embarrassing for the early church in there, like the first person to see him was somebody with a checkered past. So, did it happen? Well, I think the evidence in this passage uh, is fairly clear that it's no longer Easter Saturday, uh, but it's Easter Sunday. And, And yet, here's the question, what difference does that make? Now, I'm going to help us out just with a couple of things. I think it changes our past. I think it changes our present. I think it changes our future. It changes our past because, did you notice, there were a couple of people who got a bit of a cameo role uh, in that story. Um, They were there, and they were the angels. Now, normally when angels turn up, that's a pretty big thing. Uh, But these guys, they turn up for a couple of verses, and then they disappear. Why? What's going on? Well, let's see what picture... John is painting, because he is painting a picture. I'm going to need uh, Tom and Sam to come back up. Come on up, come on up. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, sorry, my dodgy grave digger person, who's no longer that, and, uh, and Sam. Great. Um, pop one of those on. Pop one of those on. We've got a, um, Generally, you, you, you go in the big end and come out the small end. Um, three years of Bible college, that's what they taught me. There we go. So we've got two angels. Thank you. Two pretty angels. Um, And they, we're told, were at one end and the other end of the stone on which Jesus was lying. So if you guys wanted to stand, stand there, that's good. Why does it say that? Well, it says that because John was painting a picture. But you see, in the Old Testament, the bit of the Bible before Jesus... There was a very special day. It was called the Day of Atonement, the day where God and his people became one. And on that day, 
there would be an animal that would die in the place of God's people. And a priest, not, not somebody like me, but a, an Old Testament priest, would take some blood and they would go into the most holy place, the place where God dwelt. And we're told in that place there was something that looked a bit like a table. It was a big ark, a box, essentially. And at either end, there were carved angels. And they reached out over the top of the box. <clears throat> they reached out over the top of the box. And what would happen? I'm just going to move these beautiful flowers. Um, what would happen is the priest would come up and he would spatter some blood in between them. And that place was called the place of mercy or the seat of mercy, the mercy seat. And when the blood was spattered there, it meant that God and his people were at one. Everything had been forgiven. Everything had been done so that God and his people could be at one again. But here's the crazy thing. Do you know what happened when the priest went in there? He was to wear special clothes. Guess what they were? Begins with L and sounds like binin. <laughs> linen. Is that what you're going to say, Henry? Nice. Yes, he, they were wearing linen. He, he went in wearing linen, and when it had been done, do you know what he did? He took off the linen, and he left it in there. John is showing us a picture here of what's going on when Jesus died and Jesus rose. The linen was left because everything needed to make you right with God was done. Thanks, you can pop your arms down before they get tired. That's really important for us today because some of us are living the Easter Saturday life. There are things that we're clinging on to, things that we remember, bad choices that we've made, questionable things that we've done, and we think God can't possibly want us. And we need to know today the linen was left in the tomb. It is finished. It is done. Jesus has done everything to make you right with God. He changes our past. He also changes our present. Do you, re- do you remember what he said to Mary there? Um, as, as, as he stood in the garden outside the tomb, he said, I'm going to repurpose your life. Go and tell people I'm returning to my father and your father, my God and your God. Because the linen was left in the tomb, because we we're at one, all of a sudden now we get to call Jesus' dad our dad. Our father, our present changes and our future changes as well. Because here's the thing. You and I, we live and we die. One day, every single one of us, unless Jesus comes back first, every single one of us will close our eyes for the last time. Every single one of us will die. And if that's the end, then it's always going to be Easter Saturday. But if Jesus really rose from the dead, he has shown that death has been beaten. Gents, thank you very much. Do you take a, a, a seat Jesus, rising from the dead, changes our past, our present, our future. Why can we trust it? Because of the linen, because of the, um, because of the evidence we see in this passage, because of who the witnesses were, and for far, far many more reasons. If you want to find out more about those reasons, if you want to find out more about why Easter Sunday changes everything, then please, please come and talk with Ali, talk with me, uh, or fill in that form on the back of your service sheet, uh, and we would love to talk further. But my friends... The amazing news is that because of today, our Easter Saturday has turned to Easter Sunday.
Christ is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.